0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reading through John's Gospel fairly closely of late and noticing many things and just um, feeling inspired and drawn into the depths of these stories and Jesus' teachings and finding them difficult to understand. And yet I feel compelled to, to read and reread. And um, with my intellect, I'm struggling to make sense of, of so many things that Jesus is saying. And, um, and I'm going through and reading um, from the beginning numerous times and just working my way through the gospel um, and finding um, that I really need more than just an intellectual reading. I, I need more of a contemplative, prayerful, almost Lectio Divina style of reading. And uh, and even then, so often what you know the, where the clarity comes is when I'm reading with people. So uh, Tuesday night I was reading with uh, a group of nine Russian uh, recovery guys that I read with every week, along with uh, our, my Russian interpreter and her husband, who's French. And it's been just super rich to read with these guys. Um, and uh, and then I reread again the same stories with our children faith community, which is made up of a real diverse group of mostly unchurched people that have very little background in, in scripture. And as we're going through and just going verse by verse, there's just so many things that become clear and it's just like suddenly there's these aha moments that are, that are just, uh, I, I love them. And I'm hoping that we'll experience some of them as we read right now. So, um, Right prior to the text we're going to look at, Jesus has just been anointed by Mary um, in Bethany, and this is just after Jesus has raised Lazarus, Mary's brother from the dead, and that stirred up a big controversy because uh you know the Jewish religious leaders are are so threatened by jesus and and then we we know um, right after that that um, we have John's version of the triumphal entry where you know, where Jesus comes in uh, during the feast and um, people are taking branches of palm trees and meeting him as he enters, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And so Jesus is being lauded as, as King, as like Messiah. And, um, and it's in the, this context that some Greeks, uh, among those who are going up to the worship at the feast, these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So we don't know anything about these Greeks. Maybe they were Jews or proselytes and and people that had been pagans or whatever and then come to faith and come to believe in the Jewish God. And so there they were um, at the religious feast in Jerusalem, and but they want to connect with Jesus. And so they go to Philip, who has a Greek name, and they they. They want Philip to bring him to Jesus. So Philip goes to Andrew, you know, a Jewish disciple, and uh, and then they came and they told Jesus. And Jesus' response doesn't seem to be a response directly to the Greeks' desire to see him. He says in verse 23, Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So what does that response have to do with this request of these Greeks to see Jesus? Well, um, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with it at first glance. However, when you look at the larger context and you see Jesus his growing influence, and here he's being lauded by people when he comes into Jerusalem. And here's some people from another place, you know, Greek speakers who are coming to Jesus, and he's recognizing that he's nearing the end of his earthly assignment, and yet there's all this need. There's, there's people that want to connect with him. And he knows that he, as one individual in, in his earthly body, is limited by that, and so um, he talks about being glorified and cl- being glorified in John's gospel is almost another word for for going to the cross, you know, where uh, Jesus's glory is most totally revealed. And, um, and so he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat and I assu- we assume this is he's referring to an individual grain that is symbolic of, I guess, himself. He's the individual grain. Um, unless this individual grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So he uses an agricultural image, doesn't he? A metaphor or whatever, something that people would know that, you know, one individual seed, um, it goes into the ground, it sprouts symbolically, I guess. I mean, it dies in a certain sense, it changes its form. And and that's necessary in order for there to be um, like, the fruit, and um, you know we, we we work with corn farmers in Honduras, and uh, and it's it's everyone knows that you know one grain could multiply into a hundred grains. I mean, if you have two ears of corn and and if you counted all the grains that you could get out of one grain, there's there's the potential for a huge multiplication, isn't there? And so Jesus is um, referring to himself here as. As heading towards this moment when he's going to die, and he sees his death as necessary in order for there to be a multiplication, which would apparently create more of a possibility of reaching more people. And then Jesus goes on, he who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. And so, once again, this is a It's an enigmatic statement, like how does this relate directly to what Jesus is saying about himself? Because he's, I think he's referring to himself as the lone grain of wheat, but but maybe not. Maybe it's not just him, but each of us as individuals. Um, Unless we as individuals are willing to die like a grain, um, we're not going to bear fruit. And um, loving our life you know, being about self-preservation, being about self, being about self-gratification, you know, the highest values of our culture, right? Safety, security, uh, doing what we please, doing what gives us pleasure, you know, pursuing the dream. Um, The one who loses his life, um, hates his life in this world, will keep it to eternal life. So, you know, we, we, if we're about that self-preservation, then, you know, we're going to lose our life. But if we want that, the life to be an abundant life, an eternal life, uh, we need to hate it in a sense, hate um, that tendency to just be about self-preservation, just preserving the one seed rather than um, willingly giving that seed up into the ground so that it can bear fruit. And I was talking with the Russian guys about, you know, whether they've been in periods where they've loved their life and and lost it and they were saying oh yeah you know we just loved the, the party life you know the drugs and just the all that's involved in in the lives that we had uh, that caused us to you know to lose our lives to lose everything to lose our families to lose even to come close to just dying because we were just pursuing our own desires our own lusts and and so they understood it that way. And, uh, and we have to be willing to hate our life in the world. You know, the life, the way we would choose to live it and uh, in order to keep it. And they came to that point, And many of the people we work with have come to that point of, um, of just recognizing that their way of preserving their own lives and pursuing their own interests and desires, you know, was a no, no exit situation. So then Jesus goes on and clarifies it even more. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. So giving our lives up, hating our lives in this world, and losing our lives for the kingdom involves following Jesus. And and that's going to mean that wherever Jesus is, we're going to be with him. And um, if anyone serves me, Jesus continues, the Father will honor him. Well, wow, that would be a great benefit, wouldn't it? To be honored by the Father, who is the creator of the universe. Um, would you prefer to be honored by the Father of Jesus and by the, our Father in heaven? Or would you prefer to just choose to do what you would do to, to bring honor to yourself, to bring glory to yourself, to, to meet your own needs, to pursue your own personal dreams? And um, the guys in Russia, they were all like, oh yeah, we would definitely prefer to be honored by the Father than, you know, receive honor any other way. And people in our faith community tell we have felt the same way. Okay, but but this isn't easy. Like in verse 27, Jesus says, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. So willingly giving up our lives, willingly, um, you know, hating our lives, and giving ourselves up as the seed that um, falls into the earth and dies in order to bear fruit. That involves, I guess, facing our fears, facing our, um, our choice you know, to limit ourselves in terms of what we would give to ourselves in terms of our pleasures, and potentially losing our lives as well. And so Jesus is grieving that for a moment, and. But then, right away, he says, um, "But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify Your name." And so Jesus, you know, self-corrects and reminds himself that that's why he's here. And and I believe he's modeling something for his disciples. He's modeling something for us, like it's normal for us to hesitate about giving of giving up of our lives and giving up of our security and potentially our health and and of taking risks for Jesus and the kingdom of God. Um, though here we're told that wherever Jesus is, uh, we'll be with him if we're following him, and the Father's going to honor us. And, and so that that should be enough of an assurance, and it was for Jesus. And, um, and then a voice comes out of heaven, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And, um, and so the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered, and others were saying an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice has come, uh, has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. And uh, even though it doesn't seem like it was that clearly understood by the people, right? They just heard it as thunder or as an angel, but whatever, it's uh, maybe for our sakes, because um, we we know what the content of the voice is, we who read it, right? Um, that the, the father says i have both glorified it and will glorify it again and uh, and then jesus goes on in verse 31 now judgment is upon this world now the ruler of this world will be cast out so jesus being that seed that falls into the ground and dies in order to bear fruit there he's talking about his glorification which is the cross that he is embracing and uh, which is the way forward for um, the ruler of this world, the Satan, to be to be cast out, you know, t- to be uh, um, you know really defanged, to be um, beaten, beaten, and um, and so Jesus is talking about the victory that is is imminent, um, th- this judgment of the world, um, and um, interestingly, the judgment is a reference back to John chapter 3 you know where Jesus um you know Jesus is saying that he he didn't come to judge the world uh, but that the world might be saved and verse 18 of chapter 3 he who believes in him is not judged he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the man loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his or her deeds will be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his or her deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So the judgment, okay, the judgment is imminent. Um, the ruler of this world will be cast out. And then Jesus goes on, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Well, what is Jesus talking about being lifted up from the earth? You know, yesterday, some of our people were convinced that this was talking about the ascension of Jesus, you know, going up to heaven and, uh, you know, from there drawing people to himself and our Russian guys—they were also thought, interpreting it that way, but but actually, being lifted up is also a reference to Jesus being lifted up on the cross, and it's almost like the same—it's um, like a synonym for being glorified. And verse thirty-three clarifies, but he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. So it does look like it's the death when he's lifted up that brings. Um, it's that decisive moment when the judgment of the of the of the ruler of this world happens, and um, and when he draws all people to himself. And so here the crowd seems to be completely in a different place. Uh, they answered him and said, "We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever, and how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man?" So here, um, these guys are getting tripped up with some of their past, um, like teaching, I guess, or the knowledge that they had about what the Christ was going to be like, how the Christ was um, going to come and remain forever. Which, truly, some of the words about about the Christ, about the coming Messiah, are that His reign will be forever and ever and ever. And the Son of Man text that um, Jesus is. Describing himself as the Son of Man, that's a reference to Daniel chapter 7. And uh, yesterday we read that with our people, beginning in verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So the people perhaps rightly understood the eternalness of and the foreverness of the kingdom of the Messiah and, um, and so they're confused and, um, and then Jesus the way he answers this is not once again not super clear but is profound verse 35 so jesus said to them for a little while longer the light is among you okay so looks like jesus is referring to himself there right Um, the light and this is in keeping with what we know from john chapter one you know where jesus is described as the word that was with god from the beginning um who all things came into being through him verse 4 in him was life, and the life was the light of people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And um, and then John the Baptist is described as bearing witness, testifying about the light. Uh, and it's not himself being the light, but he came to testify about the light. And, um, and then verse 9, There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every person. And yet, um, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Um, but those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the, the authority to become children of God. Okay, so that um, that, that light is referring to Jesus' incarnation. For a little while longer, the light is among you. So does that mean that now um, that little while longer is no longer Relevant to us because he's gone, and um, this is the way that I would have tended to read this um, a lot of my life. I would have assumed, okay, this was Jesus's words to his disciples then and there. But since that little while has passed and Jesus is gone, um, it's too late, and this text is no longer relevant. But let's look closely at this to see if that, if 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 this makes sense for us now still. For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he or she goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons or children of light. So while you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons and daughters of light. So um Jesus here is speaking to people who are actually with him during his earthly days here, right who are um, asking questions of him about the Christ remaining forever and um, and Jesus doesn't um, really contradict that, but he does um, he does talk about you know how he, there's a period of time when, the light is with them and us, and we need to seize that moment and benefit from it. and uh, And that moment was then and there, but does that moment also include here and now? So right after this, these things Jesus spoke, and he went away and he hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. And so we we see that. Um, that in a way jesus is modeling the what he's saying you know that there's these moments when he's speaking directly to everybody and people are are listening but maybe not understanding you know maybe here we are we're listening but we're not understanding we're reading but do we understand what we're reading and there's moments where we get the clarity and it's like the light shines in on us and and it's those moments when we need to, you know, we need to seize those moments and walk while we have that light. And when there's clarity, um, we need to walk when we have that clarity so that the darkness will not overtake us. Um, You know, so often I have, I've gone into the mental health ward of our local jail um, and sometimes just going in there, there's so much chaos. People are, are just um, ranting and, and they're pacing back and forth and, there's people with all kinds of mental health issues and people that are psychotic. And I'll sit down at a table and a couple of people will come around and and then gradually others will, you know, will walk past us and then maybe take a seat. And often there's real confusion and people are answering my questions in ways that don't make any sense. And but then we will have these moments when suddenly everything becomes clear and everyone you know people seem to be understanding and and there's like this light that just shines into all of our hearts and and it just uh it's a transformational moment and and then um and then we leave i leave and and um you know and sometimes that moment i don't know how long it lasts for people i know it lasts for a while for me but but it's almost like the in dark the darkness is always encroaching still and um but Jesus gives us hope here. He says, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons and daughters of light. So there's the promise of the possibility of actually us becoming, you know, uh, as disciples of Jesus, becoming sons or daughters of light. And, and that's what Jesus is all about. Like he came as the seed that was going to fall on the ground, that fell on the ground and died in order to bear fruit. And were are that fruit. And so we become agents of light. And um, maybe like John the Baptist, we aren't the light ourselves, but we bear witness to the light uh, so that people will believe through our witness. And so Jesus hides. And then um, then we have this text about um, how this is fulfilling Isaiah the prophet when he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And I like this because our report is referring to the disciples of Isaiah, you know, who were who were present, active, acting as you know, as agents, as prophetic spokespersons, uh, long before Jesus, and um, and they're asking the question to the Lord, Who's believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And uh, and then uh, the writer of John goes on. For this reason, they couldn't believe. For Isaiah, again said, he's blinded their eyes and he's hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. So I see Isaiah was was bearing witness in, in that clarity of the revelation. And, and it's that clarity of the revelation that is available to us and uh, that allows us also to speak like Isaiah. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in in him and Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they'd be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of people rather than the approval of God, it says. So um, there's a lot here in this this chapter 12 that we don't have time to look at right now, but I just want to spend some time on these final verses, which I think clarify things further for just how we appropriate this text now. It says, Jesus cried out. Okay. Um, so that's like shouted, like he, he really was making his vo- lifting up his voice. And he said, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. Okay. So Jesus is wanting everyone to know that he is a representative of his father. And, um, and so And that father is our father. And, um he who sees me, Jesus says, sees the one who sent me. Okay, so Jesus is going to be exiting the scene in terms of his earthly presence. But he's a connector of, uh, you know he's his his purpose was to connect all of us to to his Father, so that we would um, we would be that fruit, and that we would become sons and daughters of light. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. And then um, check this out, verse 47, if anyone hears my sayings. So here we're talking about not just his voice, but his sayings, which I think um, we've been reading right now. The, this, the red letter version of the Gospels. Uh, really, um, I love these Bibles actually that have the red letter version where we have Jesus's words in in red, you know, um, Jesus's sayings are, are written for us, you know, for us to pay attention to, 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 to read, to listen to, to practice. And um, in his absence, we can continue to move in relationship to him. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word that I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. So there we have another term, the logos. Um, the word that Jesus spoke is what we're held um, accountable to. And that word that he spoke is the word that has been written down, you know, for our benefit in the gospel accounts. So sayings, Jesus's word these are the ways that we um, walk in the light. Now, Jesus says, for I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and to what to speak. So there's another term in addition to saying, word, and now we have commandment. And uh, and the Father has given Jesus a commandment as to what to say and to what to speak. And uh, this diversity, right, of saying and speaking. And we too are are being ma mo- Jesus is modeling something for each one of us um you know we are part of the fruit of Jesus you know being that seed that goes into the into the ground and dies and and we too are invited to you know to not love our lives but to hate our lives in the world and to f- and to follow Jesus and to believe in him and and wherever he is we'll be with him and the father will honor us and Jesus goes on. I know that His commandment is eternal life, and He's talking about the commandment of the Father. So, the commandment of the Father is available to you and to me. Um, and Jesus says, "Therefore, the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me." So here, I believe Jesus is modeling a way forward for us to step into His um, ministry, and and the way that the Greeks were reached was through you know, through the apostolic witness, through you know the when when Jesus ascended to the Father after His death and resurrection, you know He He had promised the, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and He and He sent out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and that empowered His f- followers, and the Holy Spirit fo- empowers us now to um, you know to carry the Word out to the world, and the way that the Jesus Movement grows is through us. Um, being devoted followers of Jesus and uh, and practicing exactly what He modeled of of giving our lives, uh, letting our lives be like the seed that falls into the ground, um, because you know we're being called in that direction by choosing to follow Jesus and to believe in Him and you know and walk in the light as we receive it through contemplating. His words and his sayings, and through um, you know, listening to his commandments, and listening to the commandments of the Father, who's our Father, and as we uh, step into that relationship of being sons and daughters of of the Father, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna see the signs and the wonders, you know, backing up our actions. And uh, it was beautiful yesterday. I was uh, I was just talking. Um, just like I am right now about these final verses, and 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 then it came to mind um, something that happened the day before. I was in the rock climbing gym, and uh, you know I was I was just climbing all by myself. There was only one other person there. It was the manager of the gym, and it was a hot day. and And I stopped for a second and just talked to him and said, "Oh uh, wow, there's not many people here. How is business going?" And he said, well, ever since COVID, it's, it's just really diminished. A lot of people stopped coming. And a lot of them haven't started coming again. There's still fear. And it's too bad. The stupid COVID thing is just blocking people. He says, but I guess, I mean, I've had it twice. And I said, oh, wow, well, you've survived and you're a strong person. And he says, yeah, I'm outdoors a lot. and But then he said, um, actually, the first time I got it, which was early on, um, it really affected my lungs and still now, um, when I hike and when I do anything where I'm exerting myself, I can feel my lungs constrict and, um, and I, I have a real hard time. I have to stop and just wait and rest and take in some deep breaths. And right away, I thought, um, I should pray for him. And it was a little bit awkward though. I didn't know if he was a believer or where he was coming from. And, but I went for it. I said, Hey, um, I have uh, I believe that Jesus can heal people today, and we pray for people, and we had a friend who had COPD, you know, like serious lung problems, 15% lung capacity, and we prayed in Jesus' name for this woman, and she was completely healed, and I myself had asthma for eight years, and, and I um, received prayer by these Swedish women in the UK during a worship service, and... It's been eight years and i haven't needed to use uh, any kind of medication i've been asthma free and, um, and so i said look i if you'd like i i could pray for you and uh, he said yes um i'd love that please do and so i had him put a hand on his chest and i asked him if i could put a hand on his hand and i i prayed over his lungs and i just blessed him with healing in jesus name and um, and then suddenly a guy someone comes in and so i stopped and I didn't really um, get a chance to ask the man whether he felt any improvement, but he was super touched. And uh, I was sharing that story, and one of the members of our of our Bible study yesterday said, "Wow, um, I have I have a serious lung problem." He was a a guy who had been a crack addict and an older guy from our uh, community who. Um, you know who brought that up, and so I realized maybe my example wasn't haphazard. It was, it was, it was meant to be, to uh, because it was time to pray for this guy. So we gathered around this man, Richard, and we laid hands on him, and all of us, um, the nine of us that were there, prayed over him that Jesus would heal him, and and he felt something shifting, and uh, you know, so God is is really wanting us to 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 be inspired by these stories of the Gospels and to step into our authority. You know, those who believe in Jesus, those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives us authority to become sons and daughters of God. And, um, and so it's in that active um, practice of faith inspired by the gospels that we're, um, that we're called forward. And, um, and God, God is with us. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for modeling for us your way of being light and um an agent of of liberation and uh, we ask that you would help us to walk in the light of your word and to um and and to give our lives up as followers of you and disciples of, of you and to and to thank you that you say that wherever you are we will be with you and so help us to follow you and to hear your commands and your voice and and to be uh, responsive and to experience um, being sons and daughters of light in this dark world. In Jesus' name, amen.